Hello and welcome to Parsha on a Pod. My name is Yechiel Schaffer. I am the rabbi of the Pikesville Jewish Congregation here in Maryland. This week we are going to take a look at the longest Parsha in the Torah, Parshat Nassau. It is a Parsha that is rich with dedication of the princes of Israel to the Mishkan, including each of their gifts recorded though they are exactly the same as each other. It is a Parsha that is filled with important topics including the laws of the Nazir, someone looking to dedicate their lives to God. It is a rich and wonderful Parsha. Here is Nassau in seven parts. Part 1. Nassau et Rosh B'nai Gershon. God speaks to Moshe and tells him to take a census of the family of Gershon from the tribe of Levi, counting all the men between the age of 30 and 50 who would be available to work in the Mikdash. The Torah also describes the work of the Gershonites in which they carry the fabric and the curtains of the Mishkan. The family of Gershon will work at the instructions of Aaron and his sons as will the other families in the tribe of Levi. The family of Merari is now counted. All the men between the ages 30 and 50 were subject to the census. The family of Merari transports the poles of the Mishkan that make up its courtyard and its walls. The 30 to 50-year-old men in the family of Kahat are now also counted. Their work was to transport the holiest of objects contained within the Mishkan. And so ends part one. Part two. Gershon the Torah now records the, family, the number of the family of Gershon and the number of members of the family of Merari. All the Levite men between the ages of 30 and 50 added up in total to 8,580. And this calculation was made by Moshe alone. The Midrash Bamidbar Rabbah, chapter 6, section 11, points out that when you love something, you count each individually, and then you, you review the count collectively. You review the individual numbers and the total numbers. This is how the Torah records the number of the Levim, each family individually, and then at the end it reviews them entirely collectively. Chapter, 48, ver- chapter 4, verse 48. This was an expression of God's love for the tribe of Levi. And so ends part two. Part three. Tzav Bnei Yisrael v'yishalchu min hamachaneh. God now shares with Moshe a series of instructions to share with the Israelites. All those inflicted with tarat or have had a bodily discharge or were impure from contact with a dead body, should leave the Israelite encampment. The Israelites did exactly as they were commanded, the Torah tells us. The Chizkuni chapter 5 verse 4 comments that the Torah tells us that Israelites did what they were commanded straight away to show us that no one complained about this instruction, even those who were impacted by it, even those who were exiled by it. The Torah now tells us that anyone who misappropriated sanctified items from the Mishkan should confess their sin and repay what they stole and add a fifth back to their repayment. And so ends part three. Part four. 
Dabber Abne Israel Vamartalehem, Ish Ish Kitish Tiste Ishto Umala Bovamaal. If a married woman is accused by her husband of committing adultery, she should be brought to the Kohen, who will give her a special water mixture to drink. If she is innocent of the accusation, she will survive this process. But if she is guilty of the sin that she's being accused of, the drinking of the waters will cause her to die. This process will be accompanied by various other korbanot. God tells Moshe that he should tell the Israelites about a new potential status they can take upon themselves, the status of a Nazir. The Nazir refrains from partaking in certain pleasures, including the drinking of any grape products with the goal of coming closer to God. The Nazarite status will be concluded with the bringing of various carbonate, including a carbon chatat, a sin offering, which raises a variety of thought-provoking and important questions about the Nazar and his status. The Torah now tells us about the important role for the Kohanim to bless the people, and it offers us the special formula, the Birchat Kohanim, which we pronounce Ad Hayom Azeh until this very day. And so ends part four. Part five. The Torah now reorients us to a new time, a new moment in the journey of the Jewish people, the day that Moshe completed the sanctifying of the Mishkan. On that day, the princes of Israel, representing each of their tribes, brought gifts forward to the Mishkan. Collectively, the princes dedicated wagons to carry the Mishkan. These tools, though they are not as glamorous as other items that were dedicated to the Mishkan, represent the model of servant leadership within the Nesiyim, looking for the opportunity to meaningfully contribute to that which was most needed, not necessarily that which was most glamorous. Each prince brought a gift, and it just happened to be that each prince ended up bringing the same gift as the others. And so ends part five. Part six. Biyom Hashishi Nasi Livnei God El Yosef Ben Duel. This aliyah continues to describe the gift of each prince, each being the exact same as the other princes. The Archaim chapter 7 verse 42 comments that the name of the prince of God, El Yosef, who is the first prince who is dedicating a gift in this aliyah, illustrates the uniqueness of the destiny of the tribe of God in that they will settle in the land of Sichon and Og, the first conquered land. They will be settled long before the tribes of I- the other tribes of Israel. The name Eliasaf, meaning something added, indicates that these lands were not included in the original promise made to Avraham, that his descendants would inherit a land. These lands, the lands conquered from Sichon and Og, inherited, inhabited by the tribe of God, were extra to the original promise to Avraham. And so ends part six. Part seven. Biyom ashtay asar, yom nasi livnei asher el ben achran. This part concludes the gifts of the princes by recording the final two gifts from the princes of the tribe of Asher and Naphtali. 
The Pasha concludes by reviewing the total amount of the gifts given by the tribes of Israel by their princes, and by sharing that Moshe now entered the Mishkan, and God spoke with him from between the Kruvim. Rashi chapter 7 verse 89 points out that God spoke to Moshe with a thunderous and intimidating voice, like he did when he was on top of Mount Sinai. But the voice did not go past the limits of the Mishkan building. Though it was loud, it was restrained and dedicated just to Moshe. And so ends Parshat Nasser. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of Parsha on a Pod. My name is Yechiel Schaffer. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend, subscribe, rate us on whatever podcast platform you use so we can share and get the word out about this wonderful resource. One final thought on the Parsha. The priestly blessing that is recorded in the Parsha includes a request for God, Yisah Hashem Panav Eilecha, that the Lord should turn his countenance towards us. The Hebrew for countenance, countenance, panav, according to the Sfat MS, could, all be, could also be a reference towards our inner self-perception. This would refocus this blessing by suggesting that we are praying for God to rehabilitate our inner self-esteem, to help us have emotional intelligence and self-awareness, to make us worthy of receiving His blessing. Someone who is emotionally whole, who is emotionally healthy, is a worthy receptacle for the blessings of Aaron and his sons, the Birchat Kohanim. Again, thank you so much for joining us. My name is Yechiel Shaffer. This has been Parsha on a Pod, Parshat Nassau.